Welcome to the Silk Road Mountain Race podcast, a 12-part series covering an epic new bikepacking race through the remote mountains of Kyrgyzstan. I'm Lucy Cahoon, and in the course of the series, you'll be hearing all about the race and the riders, as well as learning a bit about this spectacular part of Central Asia. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 8 of the Silk Road Mountain Race podcast. We're going to keep this episode relatively short and start with the main news of the race, which is that we finally have a winner. It's Jay Peterveri. No surprises to anyone who's been following the dots since the start of the race. Jay put in an astonishing performance of grit and speed. And even when he finished, although he looked a little bit tired, he was still very relaxed and zen as usual. I think that's his default mode. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to him at the end and take up <laughs> his, his much needed rest time. So apart from the soles of his shoes having worn out, he was in absolutely fine spirits and enjoying a combination of beer, tea and general relief, I think, to have finished. So it's over to Jay, first of all. So here we are in a different Chongkamin guest house. I am joined by race winner Jay Peterberry, who's enjoying a very well-deserved beer. Well done, and how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Uh, enjoying spirit. I haven't been done too long, but uh, I'm smiling, and yeah, it's good to be done. Good, good to spend eight, hour, eight days, eight hours. Do you know or not? Something like that, yep. You don't really care, do you? No. No, no. <laughs> was it about winning did you did you start knowing that you wanted to win or no you know kind of like the earlier podcast I just play the game as i go and exactly what i did and early on sure i was shooting for a sub seven day six and something whatever but of course you always have to shoot for something and mm-hmm. honestly like it never bothered me i never even thought about the time like, I'm just here to get to the finish. Mm-hmm. And so whatever that takes. And uh, it was a very, very unique journey. Is it as larger than, hard than you imagined or harder? Um, it was it was pretty physically demanding um, as far as uh, the terrain, uh, the steepness, uh, the road conditions. Snow? Yeah, there was some snow. Got snowed on one of the passes. A little bit of rain, not a lot of rain, but um, these are all things that are expected and that I kind of want out of it. Do you get um, any sickness or uh, mechanicals? Because a lot of people seem to have... No, no. um, You know, I pretty much ate most of all of my own food that I brought. Brought a lot of food, so... Did you bring enough for the whole nine days Um, or something? I actually have a little bit left, Did you really? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I brought over 20,000 calories. So, Brilliant. and then, um, I did have some meals at the, uh, at the checkpoints mm-hmm. and then, uh, I think just like maybe something in the rain or something like that, but not a lot. No altitude issues. Uh, no, but I wasn't feeling great. And I think that's what kind of made my food last for so long. I wasn't eating or drinking a lot at the really? first few days. You think that was the heat? Um, it, it was a combination of both because, 
I drive myself in a way where I'm just always on the rivet yeah. of everything. Yeah. And then, um, so I think that adds stress to my body and I just, I don't feel like eating, mm-hmm. uh, even though I know I have to. And so I'm, I get to be very picky. So I'm mm-hmm. not doing my full calorie uh, replacement that I should be. Um, I stay on my water pretty good because that's easy and that feels refreshing. But I was definitely, I just wasn't, I was just off a beat. I could tell it was a little bit foggy mm-hmm. and it was, it was, I did have heat exhaustion one day. I didn't, right, okay. I didn't have, uh, I ran out of water like before eight o'clock at night and I didn't get water until about 10 o'clock the next day. Because there were no streams or? No, it was all, you know, the first couple of days were really dry, mm-hmm. especially out through that uh, military point areas. And that's when, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of a bad situation and I knew I was getting there. Yeah. Um, Tell me the lowest point in the whole of the eight days. Lowest point? Um, yesterday. Um, I woke up out of a really terrible bivy where I got into my bivy and then it rained and snowed and iced on me. This is a kind of my bivy at 1230 at night, but then it, it caused condensation on the inside of the bivy. So it just became a kind of a moist bivy, not comfortable and whatever. It's fine, but just like makes you feel like muggy and things like that. And then um, it was very cold in the morning. So I, I didn't get up with my alarm. I just like kept waiting for the sun, waiting for the sun. Cause I just didn't want to be cold. Mm-hmm. And I just had a terrible morning and readjusting every 15 minutes and stopping and sitting down. My legs wouldn't come around very heavy and not even be able to push up the smaller grades. And, and these things happen. I mean, but honestly, like that's not bad. Like one day at mm-hmm. eight, like I'm not going <laughs> to, complain about that, that yeah <laughs> like i'm okay with that <laughs> gonna happen. and then it turned into a weird sensation again of being hot and i just had an overall terrible day but what was amazing about it was was i ended up feeling great in the evening mm-hmm. and i went all night right okay and so i skipped that full full night last night to finish today that's and amazing. I felt amazing last night. Like it was I like, I, felt of knowing that you're close to the I think it was the adrenaline. And then I noticed there was a guy that was creeping in on me and I just committed in my head. I was like, I can kind of do that with myself. I just said. Of the race's progress regularly. Not regularly. Cause well, for one, there's kind of a cool sensation without knowing. Mm. And especially as a leader, I just have one thing to do. And that's just do my work. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, shouldn't matter what they're doing. So then why do you check? Well, yeah, because ultimately I am curious and so, but I'm not addicted to it by any means, but like, like I didn't look for whatever over a day or something. Mm -hmm. And then, cause I felt pretty comfortable about second and third already there, like I was a hundred K ahead, but then just so happened yesterday when I got down, I don't know the name of the town before the big, I was down there grabbing some food and I was like, I wonder where those boys are at. And then all of a sudden a new name popped in. Who's only 60K behind me or something. And I'm someone who's like, I'm always on the edge unless I'm like 100 miles ahead. Otherwise, I just want to keep charging. No, but it gave me enough motivation to be like, yeah, you're committing till tomorrow, Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just made me have that commitment. And and that's a good thing, you know, so. I think some of the leapfrogging did happen overnight, didn't it? At the checkpoints when other people took a rest and some people carried on. Probably. Like, I just... You know, I don't dive that far mm-hmm, from these mm-hmm, guys, mm-hmm. but everyone's really good with the organization about not sharing any information. So mm-hmm, like that's mm-hmm, that's really mm-hmm. good. And for me, it's like I'm not for myself, anyways. It's just mm-hmm. like honestly, that's that's just small stuff that you shouldn't really 
get in your way because mm-hmm. I've watched sport change quite a bit with technology. Actually, yeah, I, yeah. I've been very against it because I started before technology. So, did you still feel the peace and solitude that you were oh, yeah. researching in this? Case? Oh yeah, it's just so big and massive. Like yeah, every day you just kind of look around. You're just like <laughs> amazing, and I and I like that. Um, as I said before. Standout moments, or sunsets, or people, or I'm a big sunset and sunrise person. Actually, that wasn't, which is surprising. Like, not at all. Like, I can't even think of any. Mm. But uh, the moonlight last night was amazing. Full moon, if not yesterday or today. Um, but the culture of the people was amazing. You know, I pulled in the checkpoint too, and had some young kid cheering me on his horse and with the big curd flag and it was just super cool riding in with him and the way he just wanted to hang out with me and stuff and that stuff is just super fun and i helped a gentleman uh i helped somebody hoist a sheep onto the horse and you know i mean in the middle of your race yeah in the middle of who knows where you know like in the middle of nowhere and you know it's all from just like there's no understanding words but it's just common stuff you know a little wave and hey uh-huh, and uh-huh. then all of a sudden i can see he's like pointing and grunting and pointing at the sheep and then pointing <laughs> at the horse and oh okay you need a hand? yeah i'll give you a hand and like that was pretty cool <laughs> and his little kid's only like gosh barely as tall as my thigh and we oh. we hoisted that thing up there on that sheep Excellent. and it was just like okay yep regular day okay oh, see we'll be talking about you for weeks to come <laughs> yeah I'm, pre- me. I'm pretty sure that that sheep is dinner. Oh, <laughs> it might have been the lame one in the ground. Next up, we have our usual slot of quick interviews with riders in the field. Um, these were taken at a variety of points, including up to checkpoint three in the village of Chichkin. So we just caught up with Levente Bagoli. How's it going? Uh, quite well. Yeah, yeah I'm the best is in my chain. Yeah. Not bad. I'm going to try and get to CP3. Got some driving to do. Yeah, there's still a bit of a bit of a road. How do you enjoy the view? Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't care anymore. How was uh, CP2? Um, it's crazy hard. With all those, uh, even also the the lake hike, yeah, yeah. and also the the old Soviet abandoned military. It was not a road. It was anything but a road. I went with bike and then I hiked with the bike. Uh, I guess I'm gonna swear you a few more times. <laughs> a few more times, I think so. I don't trust you anymore. So I'm with Kim Rimikas. Yeah. And he's sitting down, taking a little break. <laughs> I need it. It's tough uphill. It's been uphill all day, so taking five. Look at the view. Beautiful. Recovered a little bit, because there's more coming. Yeah. Me not so much. <laughs> yeah, so we saw Bagoli earlier, and then I think one of the volunteers was saying, yeah, but the views are really great. He was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at a certain point, you really don't care anymore. No. You just want to get over the hill. That's true. <laughs> from, a, from the car, it, it might seem easy, but... Oh, I've been here. <laughs> yeah. 
what's the goal for today? Any goal or just ride? Well, if I ride until, let's just say, 11, I might be st- ending up on top of the pass. So I might as well just descend. Only problem is then I need to go down. It's going to be cold. And when it's cold, I tend to fall asleep. I think it's dangerous, so it's a little bit... Yeah, I don't know yet. Just see where we end up. Maybe checkpoint three, hopefully. If I can keep pushing it like this, then I should be making it by midnight, I think. But I thought that on checkpoint two as well. And it ended up being five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, that was Kim Rim because he's he looks all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. I felt better. <laughs> yeah. uh, right now, I'm here with Mr. Salt House. I'm just trying to figure out how his day's been going. Um, day's been going pretty good. Slept in a little bit. Seems to be my MO these days. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna just went food shopping, got a bunch of stuff, probably too much for the next push to checkpoint three. I'm um, feeling good. Stomach problem seems to be completely gone, which I'm stoked about. The riding just gets better and better. So you're getting stronger as the race is going on. I felt I was really strong, then I was weak, and now I'm like medium strong. Medium strong, all right. Good medium strong. And uh, how'd you uh, how'd you rest last night? You felt okay? I've just been closing my eyes and just. Straight to bed. Straight to bed. No last, last time I saw you, you were restocking in Baito. So, uh, what's your feelings on like that last uh, little stretch from Baito to CP2? I got sardines and bread, which really I really liked. So I got that again. Hopefully, I don't get sick of it. But sardines and bread seem to be the yeah. ticket. Did you have any problems uh, getting water or anything like that along the way? I always found water when I needed it. There was some kind of gnarly, weird gray water that we had to drink. But no issues with water. I don't know, pretty much smooth sailing. There was a crazy headwind yesterday that was kind of demoralizing, but then once the elevation started to drop, everything went quick. So. And you guys did Baitov to CP1, or CP2 in one shot, or? Two days. Two days? Where did you sleep in between? I slept way too high. I was chasing, well, in my head, I thought Brandon was like way ahead of me. So I was trying to catch up to him. And I ended up like halfway up to the top of this pass and I just got too tired and it was high up and super cold. And I woke up and there was like a pack of horses running by and I was super scared that I was gonna get trampled, but I made it. So that was like your morning alarm? Is that what you woke up to? Was it was the more like the middle of the night. Okay. Well, that's really scary. Yeah. So you couldn't even see them coming, really. It was kind of just I like mean, there was sound. moonlight, so I could kind of see them. I mean, they were often, the, they were far enough that it wasn't super scary, but just being in the middle of a field. I'm picturing like Lion King, you know, and like yeah. the, the stampede scene. It was a little bit like that. Sure. <laughs> it was exactly like that. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Yep. And uh, your race number? 59. 59. And uh, where did you start this morning? Or today? I started um, 
somewhere up on the mountain, 3,200 meters, Sad. just before the military checkpoint, the last one. Okay, so you camped out and then you did the little descent? Yeah, I camped out yesterday. I came, started at CP2, um, up to the uh, non-existent lake, and then that absolutely terrible hiker bike. It's like 40% gradient. <laughs> Um, and then just like a massive headwind up this valley, so it was, yeah, it was a pretty tough day with not very much progress. Um, well, uh, now you're gonna stay in the rain and have a rest, or? I think so, yeah. I think I'm gonna get my, uh, get some decent food, stay here for a night, be ready for tomorrow morning, and then hit it hard again. So how do you feel as, uh, your diet is keeping up or holding up? Just about, yeah. No, just um, my face was really swollen the last few days. Yeah. I don't know why. Um, maybe altitude seems to have gone down. Now. Um, yeah, and I think like the, that middle section being above 3,000 for like three days takes it out of you. So you just feel a bit sluggish up there, right? Yeah. You have, have you ever been up at altitude for that period of time or not really? Not at like maximum heart rate lugging a 25 kilogram bike up a mountain <laughs> i'm not sure it's the toughest day i think after cp cp2 was that was that was horrible the push i was like i should have put like um press-ups in my work in my training routine because basically i just did like two hours of press-ups like this pull the brakes on and then I go again push right <laughs> <laughs> it's insane Following on from last episode's uh, Pop Sensation Duo, we have a very short musical interlude, which was given to us courtesy of two local girls in the village of Chichkan, where Checkpoint 3 is situated. They are playing the traditional Kyrgyz instrument, which is the komuz, K-O-M-U-Z. It's a three-stringed instrument, not unlike a lute. Um, it is apparently made of apricot or juniper wood traditionally. And when I did a little bit of digging around, there was some apocryphal story of squirrel intestines strung between a forest. But I'm choosing to disregard that particular myth and prefer to stick with the, the wooden variety. So it's over to the girls for a quick taste of what this music sounds like. It's always great to hear from Ricky Cotter, who, despite her travails and offerings of help to riders along the way, is still riding bits of the route, albeit not officially in the race. Ricky is indefatigably cheerful. Whenever you see her, she just can't keep a smile from her face. And I think her attitude is is one which embodies the spirit of this race. And she sums up quite how happy she is to be taking part. Hey, Ricky, lovely to see you again. Likewise. <laughs> How has it been? Spectacular. Abs- every every single pedal stroke has been spectacular. And even when the weather has been horrendous, like massive snowstorms up top today, 
And then all of a sudden it cleared to show this view like as far as the eye could see. And I just, my, my jaw, I had to pick my jaw up off the floor. I was like, wow. So yeah, it's, it's just been incredible. So that's all for episode eight. Join us again in 48 hours. I may be at checkpoint three, but it's closing in approximately one day's time. So maybe back at the finish to catch up with the riders who've come in following Jay's initial arrival. Speak to you then. Bye-bye. 